The timeline to grieve is different for everyone. Only you can determine when and if you reach the finish line. I suffered in silence for a long time until I came to a point where I realized that if I am going to survive this, I need to get some help for this. That's John Beach sharing his donation journey and how attending the transplant games allowed him to grieve the loss of his son, John. I'm Marianne Shuck, your host of Let's Talk Hope, a podcast devoted to sharing stories and turning tragedies into triumphs. I'm delighted to have John and Joy Beach on this episode as they share their grieving process and how it has opened them up for more opportunities. We shared an experience at the 2022 Transplant Games of America, where you were a donor family who got to experience what it was like to go to the Transplant Games, participate, and then also sort of unwind your transplant donation story. And John, for you, this was really a very moving and pivotal moment for you in your grieving process. Can you and Joy sort of tell us, Joy, if you can tell us about your grieving process first, and then John, if you can tell us what the transplant games meant to you. I actually, when John passed away, I wanted to get involved with the Gift of Hope. And it was part of counseling, part of the, I don't know, the grieving process where I wanted to talk about my son. I didn't want him to be left behind and I wanted him to be remembered. When we got the letter from the Gift of Hope uh, a few weeks after John had passed, I really wanted to get involved. And I started my journey with the Gift of Hope back then and tried to volunteer any time I could. It helped me quite a bit. Over the years, we started the foundation. We adopted the road that John had had his accident on and we do, we do a cleanup twice a year in remembrance of him. When we had the opportunity to go to the transplant games in 2020 and it was got canceled, I was kind of bummed out about it, but then they asked us in 2022 and I was elated. John had always been, my husband had always been on the sidelines, I guess. He had his own journey and his own grief that he had to follow through. This kind of brought us together quite a bit. And what was it like to have John not be on the initial journey with you in terms of working with the Gift of Hope and volunteering? Uh, Because you've been a stellar volunteer for Gift of Hope in terms of everything that you have done. What was that like? I just kept pursuing volunteering and continuing going through that and I knew that everyone grieves differently and he just wasn't ready yet for it. I have a lot of understanding with that and acceptance is a big a big part of me and I have a big thing in my heart that says faith can pull us through just about anything and God is right there by my side all the time and so is my son. And I knew that both of those, you know, would pull me through this and pull him through. And John, can you tell us a little bit about 
where you were. I, I know uh, as a donor family myself, what it's like in the blur of losing someone and then the grieving process. Tell us uh, a little bit about your grieving process. You know, when my son passed away, you know, I was the one that, you know, did all the paperwork and, you know, dealt with the, you know, the signing of the paperwork and the procurement and all of that. And then in the aftermath of that, this opportunity came up for us to adopt the highway where he, his accident occurred. And Joy was pursuing creating a foundation and volunteering with Gift of Hope and all of that. And, you know, I supported her and I helped her with things behind the scenes, but I didn't want to hear about it. I attended a couple uh, donor recipient meetings at the Gift of Hope offices from, you know, a couple of my son's uh, recipients. And I attended and, you know, I felt better. But at the end of the day, I really didn't want to be there. Although for me, the only solace was that he had given the gift of life to so many other people and so many people were affected by his donation and, and then the tissue. And then the, uh, when they were going to release his, him back to us, there had been a, a fire accident in another state and they asked if they could procure some more skin. And I, being a volunteer firefighter for many years, I couldn't say no. Um, all of that's just kind of the, the walking through day-to-day -day stuff. Up until I got on the airplane to go to the transplant games, I kind of didn't want to hear it. I kind of didn't want to have too much to do with it. I had been seeking help and uh, to deal with grief and some other things. You know, I was still a very reluctant participant. And, you know, once I got there, that all changed. It, it was a life, truly a life-changing experience. And what did you know of the transplant games before you went? Very little. Very little. I mean, you know, I, I had heard of it. I, you know, kind of equated it to the Special Olympics, per se, and that it was this organization of, of transplant recipients that were competing, the recipients were competing in, you know, different activities, track and field and swimming and so on and so forth. And other than that, I didn't, I didn't really know very much about it. Not that I wasn't interested, but, you know, I kind of was disinterested because, you know, in a way, Joy has found great solace in volunteering and being involved with all of these people. And uh, it took me uh, a long time to realize what I had been missing out on. And Joy, you had known about the transplant games. And so being able to attend, what did the transplant games mean for you? To meet the recipients that received a life-saving organ, to see them live again, to see them participate, to see them so active and in hopes that my son's organs would be able to do the same as what we saw at the transplant games. John was here on earth. He was so much fun. He was full of life. Um, he never let anything stop him. And I just pray and I hope that all of his recipients can do the same. And I see it in the two recipients that we have met, actually three, one passed away since it's so wonderful to see them and to see them happy and smile and doing things. 
it's such a good feeling inside knowing that and knowing that my son made that decision, you know, and we didn't even know about it. We didn't know he was an organ donor. So it, it was, it was wonderful. It's wonderful all the way around. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So we arrived in San Diego and we started to participate in things and go to different events. And John, about the second day after going to the opening ceremonies, you sort of had an epiphany. What was that? Well, actually, it was it was many epiphanies. I found that I literally couldn't walk, couldn't walk down the street or sit in the lobby of the hotel or you know get a cup of coffee without a, a recipient recognizing the badge for uh, for the games and that I was a donor family member and just stopping and basically confronting me with gratitude and joy and happiness and exuberance to to be alive and you know that was a part of it that I had never experienced before yes you sort of became uh sort of a a a figure in that as you mentioned people gravitated towards you and you really gave a lot of care concern mentorship to other people and so how did that change because you changed while we were there. How did that change overcome you? And what was it like when you finally realized you were in the moment of your grief, but also the moment of seeing all these people doing different things? It was a little bit uncomfortable because the associated emotions You know, I'm a suppress your emotions kind of guy and you swallow your pride, you swallow your pain and, you know, you keep going through it. And it was near impossible to do just because of the energy in the air at at an event like this. I mean, just the, the gratefulness and the gratitude of the recipients and then, you know, the other donor family members, parents, spouses, whatever the case may be you really come to realize that, you know, you're not alone and you're truly in that it takes one to know one situation. So I guess I was able to live in a moment better than maybe I ever have and actually enjoy it as well. Absolutely. Enjoy. What was it like for you to see John sort of change and blossom and become this proud donor family member? All my prayers that I've been asking God for has come true. He's starting to understand, or he's, yeah, he's understanding how I feel, and he's actually speaking about it. He's talking about it. Communication is probably one of the greatest things we can do to in between a relationship. You know, feelings, like he said, he was always supposed to repress his feelings. And, you know, in in life, we're not supposed to talk about death. We're not supposed to talk about things like that. And I feel that it's more healthy to talk about it and to express our feelings as opposed to keeping them in. It made me so grateful 
I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But also, one of the most pivotal moments for both of you was when you participated in the Paddle Out. Can you tell us what the Paddle Out is and what was so sacred about that moment? Well, I'll start. While we were at the transplant games, the, the day of the Paddle Out uh, happened to fall on what would have been my son's 30th birthday. We wanted to do something to celebrate it, and I was looking through the program for the transplant games, and I saw a little article about this paddle out that was being held to honor donor families. And I said, this is absolutely, you know, I told Joy, this is absolutely where we're going tomorrow, regardless of any other activities going on to celebrate his birthday. We've always been drawn to the water both of our children were avid water skiers, and we enjoyed boating and teaching them to ski and just on and around the water in the sunshine kind of a kind of a family. And when I saw that article, I told Joy that, you know, we're going to go there no matter what. So we get the Uber and we tell the Uber guy, we have to go to this La Jolla Shores place do you know where it is and he's like yeah I think I think I know where it is and he drove us there it was like we thought it was going to be like 45 minute drive and it was like a 20 minute drive not even so we were like oh we're here (laughs) we get out of the taxi or whatever the car and we were like one of the first people that came to the thing they just started setting up a tent and stuff and I don't know there was this guy with a beard and a mustache or whatever. And I introduced myself and he's like, Oh, you're in the right place. (laughs) So, I mean, it was just so neat. He he was like, yeah, you know, do do you want to paddle out with us? And I said, yep, let's do it. You know, and I kind of explained a little bit. um, Well, it's my son's birthday and we really like to celebrate it by paddling out here. This would be awesome. And he says, okay, come to the car and, grab a surfboard. And so we helped them unload a couple surfboards and we just met the most kindest, most wonderful people. It was absolutely amazing. The, the irony to all of this is, is we went walking up and said, Hey, is this paddle out thing going on here? A, a guy came up to us and says, Oh yeah, you're in the right place and all of that. Well, that ha- I found out later that, you know, that happened to be Mark Neville, who was the vice president of the transplant games. And then the, the guy that Joy's referring to ended up being Joe Sigurdsson, who runs the uh, boys to men mentoring program in California and, and actually many other States now who was organizing the event and, you know, everybody's wearing their surfing attire or beach attire. You know, we didn't recognize anybody. And, you know, once Joy says, yes, I'm going, next thing we knew we were carrying surfboards out. <laughs> so, you know, the joke, the joke was on us, but it wasn't a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you participate in this sacred moment. Uh, you say blessings for the donor families. You get in a circle. And you have this paddle out and, you know, different people speak. What was transformative about that for you? Unbeknownst to me, Joy had brought a small packet of my son's ashes with, and she 
pulled it out and asked Mark Neville if he would spread my son John's ashes. And he said, absolutely not. Your husband will. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, you go around a circle and you, you know, say a few kind words of remembrance of your loved one in the Hawaiian tradition. And then I sprinkle the ashes and then you splash water into the center to give pay respects to the spirits who are visiting. It was an unbelievably spiritual moment. The, the ocean was very calm, but in the middle of the circle, the spray was rising straight up out of the circle. And then we found out later somebody had taken drone footage and there were a couple of sharks circling around the outside that they found great fun and showing joy. And I, and, you know, my response was, well, you know, the last thing they were there for was to, was to bite somebody, you know, they were there because the power of the spiritual moment, if anything else, to pay homage to our loved ones. And, you know, thinking that we're from Chicago and most of these people were Californians, it was an unexpected response. Very moving. The pictures were very moving, and I'm glad that you were able to have that experience. And I want to talk because our opening line was that the timeline to grieve is different for everyone and only you can determine when and if you reach that finish line. And I have to tell you, John, that it was really eye-opening and very sobering to just see your transformation. As you know, I lost my husband three years ago and it was funny because I don't think you knew that. And then when you helped me put my bracelet on, I don't think you recognized it, but then you came back and said, I want to thank you for allowing me. And the bracelet that I put on had my husband's ashes in there. I knew knew that, but... um... But one of your co-workers had pointed out that says, you know what that bracelet was, don't you? And I says, yeah, absolutely. I knew what the bracelet was. I just didn't know what the significance was. Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, I had purchased a couple things like that. Joy wears a couple things like that. And, you know, my mother does as well. So once they, once I was told what it was for, that's why I came back because I do, I do see that as a, as a privilege and also, you know, to act in kind with a, with a gesture of respect. Yes. And so knowing Joy for the time that I've known her and then watching her come in and participate and volunteer and um, mail out memory boxes and things of that nature, to just see the transformation in both of you was just so amazing. And to see the joy on Joy's face at your transformation was really pretty amazing. And so I want you to sort of talk to our audience just sort of about why it's so important to lean into your grief, but also to have patience and grace with your grief. And if you both could, you know, just sort of mention that, that would be important for the audience. I think I didn't have patience with with my grief because I was uh, raised by older parents and, um, you know, they were also raised by what we tend to call the greatest generation. And, you know, I, I just had a hard time accepting how thousands and millions of people could have, 
you know, lost love, loved ones in, in the first and second world war. And I lost one son and I'm crippled by grief. I just couldn't give myself the, the patience or the acceptance to, to wither through it. I suffered in silence for a long time until I came to a point where I realized that if I am going to survive this, if I'm going to not only survive, but actually, you know, be above ground for the rest of my family, I need to get some help for this. And, you know, I had been a, a, you know, volunteer firefighter for many years. I was a fire officer. I did all of these running, burning buildings, you know, crash scenes, rescue, you know, accident investigation, all these things that exposed me to all of these tragedies, yet I still didn't know how to recognize grief in myself. I was part of some of the early critical incident debriefing things in the fire service. And, you know, when I became a fire officer, I made sure all my people went to it, but I never thought I needed it. After a lifetime of all of this stuffing or whatever the, they call it, it came to a crisis point to me where, you know, mentally I, mentally and physically, I wasn't going to be okay if I didn't get some help and find somebody to talk to. Kind of now my mission is if I can prevent one person, if I, if I can be the, the hard-headed contact for someone to talk to, to help them come out of the silence and come out of the suffering in the darkness or whatever, then I'm way more successful than I would have otherwise been. I started going to counseling probably about nine months after John had passed away. I continued going. I was asked to read um, a daily reflections, I guess. I would read it like every day. It would be like an automatic thing in the morning. And it gave me hope. It gave me understanding that I could get through this. Knowing my, my daughter, too, that, you know, she lost her brother, I felt bad for her too. And then I didn't know how to, how to talk to her about it. And we just started talking. I mean, it was just like one day we just started talking. It was the most blessed thing that I could do. And we are best friends now. And we talk about our son. We joke, we, we giggle, we laugh, um, we cry. Every day we miss him. But every day we know that he is still with us, no matter what. And he does show signs. <laughs> Even when we spread some ashes right after he passed away at the Mississippi Palisade State Park, there was a, this big eagle that came over our head right after we spread the ashes. And it was like John was saying to us, I'm okay, Mom, I made it to heaven. And... I just, things like that, that you just don't forget. And even like last week, John and I went out on the boat for the last time on Saturday, believe it or not. And here an eagle circled us, circled us again and flew off. I know he's still around. I feel him because I'm knowing that he is living on in others and making memories and so many people, I know it's going to be okay. 
yes, I do miss him every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't, you know, say I love you. But I know that he's still living on in others. Yes, thank you so much for sharing. It has been a wonderful conversation. And I'm thankful that we got to share the transplant games together because it was your first time going, my first time going, and I've been at Gift of Hope 13 years and have managed donor families for about four years. And so had never had that experience, had always sent people. So I'm glad that my first time was with you all as well and the care and the compassion and the kindness that you showed me while we were there too. was just very humbled by that and thankful to have had you in the presence of Gift of Hope and the Transplant Games. And so my final question for you is what would you say to people who are sort of not sure where they are in their grief, may not be open to honoring their grief? How would you help them or what words could you give them to help them to understand that grief, it's a long time. It doesn't just end. What would you say to people to sort of help them? I would say that each person has his own journey, like uh, yourself and some of the other people on the trip had said to me. You know, to me, there's a little bit of shame associated with, you know, the amount of time that has passed for me before I was able to, you know, start talking and start start advocating for, for organ donation. And, you know, everybody has their own their own timeline and whatever's right for them. Don't give up, I would say, would be my words of wisdom. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. I would say, well, you're always going to remember them, but say their name. Make sure people know what a good person they were and don't give up. Life always has turmoils in it. And I'm not saying acceptance is the best, but just knowing that with organ donation, their legacy will live on for many, many, many generations. And, you know, don't give up. There's always hope. I like that. There's always hope. And again, I just want to say thank you for taking time to be here, to be on the podcast It's been truly a pleasure to share this experience with you. I just want to say one other thing. I was absolutely humbled and I was so elated uh, to be able to be a part of the transplant games. And I'm still humbled by the fact that I'm an ambassador for the gift of hope and I will continue to be. Yeah. And I feel the same way too. I'm glad to have, been able to share that with you as well, Marion. It, it was uh, a life-changing experience, and I, I don't want to go backwards. I want to keep moving forward. So I don't know if anyone told you or not, but I already did the advocate training and did all of that stuff. So I'll be out doing a few things with Joy and some of the other people as well now. I wasn't aware, but Welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, Ashley asked me to do a speaking engagement for the uh, hospital development people next month. 
I guess it was recommended that I should have my training done and uh, the paperwork filled out to be an official advocate before I did something like that. So, you know, when I said, you know, I took it serious and I'm going to try and do my best, but I got that done so I could say yes to the whatever the speaking engagement's going to be. I haven't quite hammered it out yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be able to have an opportunity to try and give something back to such a great organization as well. Well, John, it has truly been a pleasure to watch your metamorphosis, your epiphanies, and just to watch you evolve in the span of a week. It's just pretty incredible to watch. So thanks to you and Joy for, you know, coming on the podcast and talking to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope. We encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today and make your wishes known. Hello, Tina Montgomery, Supervisor for Community Outreach. In my role, I'm responsible for raising awareness and educating the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Daily, I'm asked a lot of questions about donation process and how does it work. So we're gonna spin the wheel, answer some questions from our loyal audience. So the wheel is going around and around and around and it has stopped on question number 22. Number 22 says, how do you register your decision to be an organ, eye, and tissue donation? Well, there are several ways you can register your decision to be a deceased organ, eye, and tissue donor in your state. Number one, you can register at your local DMV. You can register in person or online. Just check their local website. You can register on our National Donate Life Registry at registerme.org or you can go to our giftofhope.org and it is there that you will see options to register. Your donor registration is a binding legal document of gift. You can remove your registration, update your personal information, or specify more detailed donation preferences at any time. Any adult age 18 and older can register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor, regardless of age or medical history. 15 to 17 year olds can register their intent to be organ, eye, and tissue donors in your state. However, until you are 18 years old, a parent or legal guardian makes the final decision. That was such an awesome question. Thank you so much for sending it in and keep those questions coming. We encourage you to start the conversation today about organ, eye, and tissue donation with your loved ones and make your wishes known. You can learn more about organ and tissue donation or register your decision at giftofhope.org. If you like what you've heard today, we hope that you'll listen again wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Let's Talk Hope was produced by Rivet. And if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit rivet360.com.